There is no one-size-fits-all method to get out of debt, and I want you to be aware of all your options, which is why I invited today's guest, Adam Carroll, to explain his shred method so you could decide if this is a good option for you. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. There are definitely different methods to get out of debt. The important thing is that you can find and choose the right one for you. I'm your host, Jen Hemphill, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. You've probably heard of Snowball, Avalanche. These are some methods to pay off debt, and today you're going to learn about one more. How do you know which method to pick? After the interview, I am going to share with you the key question to ask yourself, which will help you choose. Plus, you'll have the support of our community. More on that later, but first, let's meet Adam Carroll. Adam created a method that helped him pay off his home in record time, and now he's sharing this strategy with the world. He has published four books, produced an award-winning documentary on student loan debt, has a TED Talk, and helps people achieve true financial freedom in their lives. Lista, let's meet Adam and learn in depth about the Shred Method. Bienvenido, Adam, to this podcast. I'm so so thrilled to have you. I know uh, through one of our shared acquaintances, uh, Chris Molina, who actually I still have to have on the podcast. Uh, he has spoken so highly of you, and I know I have heard and, and known about you for a while, especially being in the personal finance space. So it's really an honor and just excited to have you here. Welcome. Well, thank thank you so much, Jen. It's all about keeping good company, right? When we know similar people and they're really good people like that. Uh, so we're in, I'm in good hands, you're in good hands. Your audience is going to have a fun conversation to listen to here. Yes, I'm excited. Well, on this podcast, we always go back in time. So please take us back in time, Adam, to your upbringing, maybe some experiences, some memories, some lessons that you've had around money that really have shifted or really impacted you and influenced who you are today. I love this question because so much of who we are, particularly around money, is shaped when we're zero to nine years of age. And I remember uh, it, I was probably a, about that eight or nine year age point when I heard my parents arguing and we, we lived in a split foyer. So, you know, there are all these half staircases where you'd go up to the next level and then go up to the next level. And they were in the kitchen, which was half a staircase down from my bedroom. And my bedroom was closest to the kitchen. And I could hear them yelling. And what I gleaned from the conversation was it was about money. It was about overspending or how are we going to do this? Or you always do this kind of thing. And my, for whatever reason, I remember my mom throwing Tupperware at my dad. And uh, now I look back and go, well, at least it wasn't corningware. You know, it was Tupperware. It was <laughs> right. a little bit lighter. But she would throw stuff. She would get so mad. She would throw stuff at him. And he, he left the house and went for a walk. And I remember it was raining and we lived on a gravel road. And I thought deep down, I was scared that something was going to happen to him. I thought that he might get hit by a car or would, you know, would somebody wouldn't see him coming over a hill. And I didn't know this. I didn't realize this was a memory until several years later when I was talking to a counselor about 
um, my wife and I's relationship and how we were around money as an example. And I said, you know, I just want to avoid the, the conversations, the arguments. And this memory came up for me. And the reason I think it's so important is when my wife and I got married, we agreed that we were going to live differently than most people. And what we decided in that was that we were going to live on one income. And it was, it was her, she was making more than I was at the time. And my income would go to blast away all of our debt. And every single month, month in, month out, we, we paid off debts. So by the time we were 26, we'd been married for two years. We had no student loans, no car loans, no credit card, uh, you know, no consumer debt. All we had was a mortgage. And I, I look back to some of those memories when I was a kid and credit, I think, this is going to sound weird, but I credit my parents fighting about money as this memory that planted a seed for me to change the way that we were around money so that those arguments wouldn't occur in our marriage. It's just each time I do this, these interviews, it's just incredible just how much and some people don't realize it. Right. I mean, you were able to become aware of it. I became aware of it. 10 years into my marriage, yeah. <laughs> right? Where we weren't making much progress. We weren't moving the needle. And I'm like, I'm doing all the things that they tell me to do in personal finance yes. books, right? And I totally. had to take a really good look and just reflect as to, well, what is go else is going on? And yes. so it came back to my upbringing and that money story that really hadn't come, you know, I hadn't really didn't really understand how it was impacting yes. the present day finances. So thank you for sharing. And one of the things that you that you're you talk a lot about and and what you focus on is is debt. Do I presume through uh, going through getting out of debt, except for your mortgage uh, during that time, was that yeah. an influence? So knowing the progress that you made, was that an influence as to why you got talking about debt and that and why you you're really passionate about it? It absolutely was. And I think it was because the experience that we had on the backside of paying off the debt was this feeling of freedom and flexibility. And we had options and choices. And I saw people that I see them today. You can see them walking around Target or Costco or at the mall. There is this and, and I don't, you know, I don't presume to know everyone's situation, but I can tell if someone has some nervous energy around spending and we all have a money story, right? But the the nervous energy around spending or how much debt they might be taking on, you can feel it. It's palpable. And I've had people tell me before, Jen, wow, you just seem so calm, like so relaxed about things. And I really don't let things get to me because by and large, we have financial security. It do, It's never, not it's never been an issue, but it has not been an issue in several years because of the steps we've taken and what we're teaching other people to do. And I want that for folks. I want the, the the peace of mind, the calm, the just the the utter resolve, like being unflappable around money, because you know deep down what it takes to to make it, to to earn it, to save it, to invest it well, uh, to minimize some of the liabilities you have. You know, all those things are important. So, one hundred percent, it was the experience we had in blasting away debt that's really led me to talking about that today. Love it. And one of the things that you teach is your own, what you call the shred method. And I wanted yeah. to have you on to talk about that because I really, I love giving my audience all the options that they are because we know totally. about the avalanche method, the snowball method, and you have what's called the shred method. So tell us a little bit about the shred method and how did it come about? Yeah. 
Uh, thank you for asking the question and particularly posing it that way because so many people have heard of the snowball method or the avalanche method, and we can actually use either within shred, but shred technically is a cash flow technique and, and it's based and rooted in this, uh, this theory or this, uh, this understanding. And it is that we live in a banker's business model and we have lived in a banker's business model for as long as there are banks. And the banker's business model is basically when you want to buy something, you go to the bank, you tell them how much you need to borrow. They determine whether or not they will loan it to you, right? And you have to go through underwriting and they have to look at your income and your expenses and figure out if you're good for it, look at your credit score and all that. And what we never really question is when they say, okay, you'll owe me this much per month for the next 72, 180, 360 months. And we dutifully pay it, never really questioning, is this the best method for me? Is this the most efficient use of my money? And in the midst of not questioning that, we put money in their banks. We put it in savings. We leave it in checking. We might have a money market account. There might be CDs sitting out there. And it just sits there. And it sits there earning 2 or 3 or 4% if we're lucky. All the while, the bank turns around and loans that money out 9 or 10 times over at somewhere between 5 and 25% if it's a credit card. And again, we never question the legitimacy of that or the or how we can take advantage of that ourselves. And so here is kind of where it all came to me. And we can describe the particulars and the logistics of it all, Jen. But I want your listeners to think about this. If you're listening to this in your car, or if you have to run errands later, I want you to count the number of banks or credit unions that you pass just in going to the grocery store, going to the mall, going and running errands later. Count how many banks and credit unions there are and look at the size of the building, where they're located. These buildings generally cost millions and millions of dollars to build. They're not profitable usually for two to five years, but they're, they're springing up everywhere all the time. So what it would suggest is the banker's business model is one of the most profitable business models there is. And if we can play the banker's game, but use our own personal finances to do it, I think we can short circuit the process of becoming financially free, not in 40 or 50 years, but do it in 10. And, and I firmly believe that every single person out there could be financially free in 10 years when you apply this, this methodology. So if you could give us just a high level overview of how it works. You know, I mentioned that we put money in banks and we, le we let it sit there. And by and large, the statement I'll make kind of as an overarching statement here is that is inefficient. It's inefficient to put money in a checking account and then just watch it slowly dwindle over the next two weeks until another paycheck comes in. Instead, what we want to do is leverage or deploy that money in a very strategic way that allows us to do four things really effectively because our income has four jobs. It should pay our expenses. It should eliminate debt. It should build wealth and you should be able to do good and or have fun with it. And most people do two of those things really well. They, they pay expenses and they have fun and that's all they do, right? So the goal of the shred method is to help people create almost like a turbocharge on your money just by putting it in the right place at the right time. And the way we do that is either by using what we call a shred account, but a shred account could either be a home equity line of credit, or for that matter, any line of credit it could be a personal line of credit or a business line of credit, sometimes called a P-lock or a B-lock. Um, or it could be, the shred account could be a savings account that simply has five or 10 grand in it that you have not touched in quite some time. And it's a little bit different than an emergency fund because we still want to have a little bit in an emergency fund, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit as well because there are strategies around that. 
but then it's, it's all about how the money flows through those, that shred account and where it goes to make the maximum impact on your debt reduction and your wealth building. And, um, what we have found is that most people can be out of debt completely in three to five years by using the system. So, because one of the things that I noticed, because at first I, I did notice that you did have to have a home equity line of credit, but that there were other things that you could use. And so you answered that question. So that was one of my questions. You answered you could yeah. use a personal line of credit or a business line of credit. Because uh, at first I'm like, okay, this method is only going to work for homeowners. homeowners. Right. But then, uh, and I'm curious to know. So, walk us through so let's say you're starting to i'm trying to be give a visual uh, let's say it, you're wanting to use the shred method and let's just say yep. in interest you have one of the home equity line of credit your business line of credit or personal line of credit of course we have to be mindful that they are we need to make sure we make payments to those as well so take us through like how you would use use it to pay whether a home or if you could just walk us through a quick yeah. example, because I want to have like yep. a visual for people too. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so let's assume that someone makes $5,000 a month just for, for simplicity's sake. So $2,500 a month comes in twice, twice a month. And this would be a net number, not this would be after taxes are taken out and 401k contribution and all of that. So 2,500 twice a month. And let's assume that the person's home expenses are $4,000 a month, including their mortgage and a car payment and groceries and all of that. So they have an extra $1,000 a month in discretionary income. And that discretionary income, if you're listening to the gurus out there, uh, you know, who might be on AM radio or public television, I think we all know who we're talking about. Um, they will tell you you need six to 12 months worth of living expenses in the bank, right? As an emergency fund. But if you're looking for 12 months of living expenses and you have a $5,000, $4,000 a month in expenses, that's $48,000 you have to put away. That's four years of putting a thousand bucks a month away in a savings account until you get to the point where you have $48,000. And some people would say, okay, I feel great. I've been doing this for four years, but I haven't really gotten anywhere. Still have a fat mortgage, still have car debt, right? We haven't really gotten anywhere. There is an element of this where I start to question how much do you really need available in the emergency fund and how much do you need to have access to? And there's a big difference between availability and access, right? Available is I can go to the bank and I can pull out money that I need. Access is within three or four days, I could get that money, right? It's, it's accessible to me. It may not be readily available, but it's accessible. And that's where the, the lines of credit really come in because what the lines of credit create is liquidity. And Jen, I maintain that most people don't have an income problem because their debts are all tied to their income. So it's not that they don't make enough for the debts that they have. They have a cash problem mm -hmm. in the sense that their income's going to pay all the debts, but there's not enough, really enough tangible cash left over that they can make a serious dent in the debt to begin eliminating debt and building wealth. And so- Using this example, five grand in income, four grand in expenses. Let's assume that the person owns a $270,000 home. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Okay, or they have a $270,000 mortgage and maybe it's worth 300K. So the payment on 270 right now at like 7% would be around $1,800 a month. 
1850 roughly. And out of 1850 a month in the payment in the first 12 months, month by month, how much do you think of that 1850 is interest expense? I don't do math off the top of my head, but it's a yeah, good bit. <laughs> ballpark. What, what would you guess? Ballpark. Uh, and what, what interest rate? 7% is... on 270,000. Oh, in interest rate for over the course of- On, on a mortgage, 30-year fixed Thir mortgage. Oh, 70, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a lot. 7%. That is, oh gosh. I don't even, I, I shouldn't know this because I've, I've purchased a home and I looked- <laughs> At the statement. It, but it's not common knowledge, right? It's not common knowledge because people don't, we don't look at it. Right. Because we don't look at that. We just look at that payment and if we can afford that payment. And we think that, hey, I'm making this payment and it's all going to the, my house debt and in, in no time I'm going to have a ton of equity. But in reality, the number is out of $1,850 yep. a month in payment, it's 1862 candidly is the, the full payment. Interest in month one is 1657 Interest in month two is around 1653 it only goes down by $4 a month, right? Or yeah, the interest only goes down by $4 a month. So we're talking about $1,650 a month that gets burned up like that. And $200 roughly is going to principal. So we're paying down the mortgage, albeit very, very minimally yep. at the beginning of our mortgage. So in this example, here's what we do. The five grand is actually deposited in the HELOC right away, right? And because a HELOC can only ever be zero or negative, if that makes sense, you can't have a surplus in a HELOC. It's, it's either a zero balance or it's a negative balance because you borrowed against it. So we have to make room for that income coming in. And if we have 2,500 coming in, then the HELOC has to have a little bit more than $2,500 against it, right? In order for it to refill that bucket. So the system, the shred method is powered by a piece of software that has an algorithm behind it that calculates your income, your expenses, your debts, all of that. And it would say, hey, it looks like you're going to get paid. Send $2,978 and some odd cents to your mortgage. So immediately when you do that, you send, let's say it's close to three grand for round numbers. You send three grand to your mortgage. You don't owe 270. Now you owe 267. And when you owe 267, it changes the amount of interest that you're paying on the next payment. And this is the kicker. It accelerates the amortization table by a number of payments. So instead of starting at payment one, you're actually going to start at around payment. And in this case, it would be payment 16 or so. So you've skipped 15 payments where an interest average interest expense is $1,600. So I can't do that math real quick in my head, but it's 16 times 15, which would be what, 22,500 or 23,000 or something like that. Um, 16, let's just say 1,600 times 15, $24,000. So when you put $3,000 against your mortgage, technically you've saved $24,000 in interest over the lifetime of your mortgage. And this is the real key. You have access to the $3,000 because it's in the equity of your home and you have a line of credit that, it, that accesses the equity in your home. So what we're doing is we're, we're effectively playing the bank's game against the bank. And we're borrowing in short bursts because people will say, well, yeah, but now you owe $3,000 against your HELOC, but you only do it for about two days because now 2,500 gets dumped in. So you, re you really only owe 500 against your HELOC for a number of days. You pay some of your expenses out of there. Maybe it goes up to you know another $2,000 but now you have another 2,500 coming in in the next two weeks. So two days before you get paid, the system's gonna say, hey, we gotta make room for the 2,500 coming in. Let's send 800, $900,000 to your mortgage. And now we've paid it down again. So this, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the efficiency of your income. And when you see it in action, it is absolutely mind-blowing how fast it goes. 
Oh, I can imagine. Now you mentioned this is playing how the banks play, right? So I'm curious to know who would you say because you have to be able to follow the guidance of your software, I would suppose, because the software is going to calculate and tell you this is exactly. So you have to follow it because if you don't follow it, it's not going to work. So who would you say this is for and who it is not for? Because I presume this is not for everyone. Yeah. It's a great question. Who this is not for is someone that lacks the general discipline of sticking to some spending plan um, and and making sure that there is money left over at the end of the month, right? This uh, The way I, I describe that to other folks is your discretionary income, the amount of money you have left over after paying all of your expenses every month or every two weeks, that is like putting gas in this tank. And the more gas this thing has in the tank, the faster it goes. But if you are someone who tends to overspend, tends to outspend your income, Income, this doesn't work for you. So move on, not a silver bullet, not a magic pill, not going to work. Um, folks that that look at debt and go, oh, I have more money to spend. It's not for them. But for people who, who have been feeling like, hey, we make really good money, but we are not getting ahead. Why are we not getting ahead? This is why. Because you're doing maybe more traditional methods. And the challenge with traditional methods today, nothing against dollar cost averaging into investments and all of that, because we can still do that using Shred. But if you're putting three or four or $500 a month into an investment account right now, you may be buying more shares right now because the market is down or going sideways. But if you're counting on that making eight or 9% a year for the next foreseeable future, what happens over the next three years when it goes sideways or it goes down? You're really not building wealth. You are in the sense of gaining shares and hopefully they come back in the future. But this is about guaranteeing a return by blasting away the debt. And more importantly, most importantly, it's about minimizing your monthly expenses by getting rid of the debts that are really eating up all that discretionary income. So we're first going to get rid of credit card debt. We're going to get rid of car loan debt. We're going to get rid of student loans. The intent being that when we do that and we free up minimum payments, more and more gas gets put in the tank that allows us to destroy that debt even faster. Makes sense. And I'm curious to know what the shred method is this primarily, because I know primarily, well, I would think a lot of people use the HELOCs, but I know you can use the business line of credit, personal line of credit. So is this method more for people who want to tackle their mortgage you know, and pay that off? Or what if someone doesn't have a home and maybe they have student loans, uh, credit card debt, you know, consumer, that type of consumer debt? Who, you know, what kind of debt is this best yeah. for? Or is there something that is best for? Maybe it's just best for everything. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and it's definitely best for long-term amortized debt, you know, student loans, mortgages, and that. Um, I will say that once you understand the model and the method, any kind of debt is is absorbed in it. So, um, you know, there, there is logic that some people have of, well, I'll always have a car payment. I'll always have credit card debt. I'll always have a mortgage, I'll, you know. And the notion of I'll always have is a belief structure. And when you are really fully inundated in the shred method, what you'll realize is you'll actually never have those payments. I'll never have a car payment. I'll never have credit card payments on a monthly basis because we're running everything through the line of credit. It's always paid off. And um, 
So that's, that's one thing that, you know, when you ask what kind of debt is this ideal for, ideally paying off all of it is our goal. But if the goal is to build equity, build wealth, having a home and a mortgage that we're, you know, we are rapidly shredding, that's what makes this thing ultimately powerful. Because not only are you saving tens and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest, but you're also building wealth within your home that can then be accessed via that line of credit. It's not exactly true in a student loan because you're not really building right. wealth, you're just eliminating debt. You may be doing that on a personal line of credit, but the goal at some point should be to buy that property that you are shredding because that's really where the value, the equity, the, the wealth is starting to be built and then grown from there. Because you know, step one in the shred method is knock out your debts and pay down your mortgage. Step two in shred is to build a bank of money that you can borrow from at any time from yourself, eliminate the banks entirely from your world. And number three is how do you then begin to invest that bank of money into cash flow producing assets that pay all your monthly bills? Because at that point you're financially free. And um, so we, yeah, you know, we teach people how to do that. It's it's a coaching. It's not only the software and the software product. We coach people around the mind set and the practices and the behaviors of what do you need to change? Very simple, like one, two things a month in order to begin to wrap your mind around this, where all things become possible. Maybe not all. Many, many things become possible when you do this and you you wrap your mind around how it works in your own personal economy. Right. No, it makes sense. And now, of course, you know, you and I know there's inflation. <laughs> Yes. And interest rates have gone up. Granted, yes. with mortgages, yes, the interest rates have gone up. But when we look at back in, I don't even know if it was the 80s, it's still pretty, you know, considerably low in terms of the interest rates. Yep. But I'm curious to know how much of an impact does this uh, that does this, the interest rates having gone up, have on that debt payoff time? Because I know I think you mentioned yeah. your vision was 10. Did you say 10 years? Yeah, ten-year freedom plan. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how how much does the inflation and the or the interest rates that have gone up? How much does that impact? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword because on the front end, it takes a little bit more time to blast away the debt when the interest rates are higher, right? We're just going to pay a little bit more in interest, so therefore, it takes a little bit longer to knock it out. The positive side of this double-edged sword is that on the back end of knocking down that debt, number one, you're going to save a ton more because there's there's more interest to be paid, therefore more interest to be saved. Um, but the back end is that when interest rates go up, so do so so do rents, so do investment returns, right? Yep. Hopefully, depending on what you're invested in. So on the back end of that, when you start investing the assets that you've built and the equity you've created, fundamentally, your wealth should grow faster when the interest rate you're earning is more, um, which is what's happening right now. So again, double-edged sword. Uh, it doesn't necessarily change the functionality or or the legitimacy of this. It does alter the time. It alters the the way we go about doing it. It, which what I mean by that is there's an inverse relationship between how high is the interest rate and how much might we deploy against the line of credit at any given point in time. Because when interest rates were 3% and we had banks and credit unions that were offering 0.99% uh, introductory APR rates on their HELOCs, it's like, well, if you can borrow at 1% or less than 1% and people had $100,000 available on their line of credit, some were going right up to hundred grand in terms of leverage. Right. Because their monthly payment was was not crazy on that. Right. Now that it's at six or seven and a half percent, you know, it changes. We don't necessarily want to go out, you know, get out over our skis on the line of credit. We keep that in a more manageable range. Um, but it's very fluid, it's very flexible. And you know, we teach our users exactly how to how to live within those those rules and guidelines. 
Love it. Well, this has been really fascinating. Thank you so much, uh, Adam, for joining us. Is there anything else that the person right that's listening right now should consider if they're interested in the shred method? We have a, an evergreen masterclass that you can take and it's 20 some minutes long. It's well worth your time, but we go through the math of how this actually works. And when people see it, their, their minds are typically blown. So if you're, if it, you're at all intrigued, you want to find out more, see if this is for you, go to theshredmethod.com and watch the masterclass. And if you would like do the financial calculator, we have a savings analysis is what it's called that will literally tell you how quickly could you be out of debt and how much could you save and know that that's a raw number. We can get really granular and tell you exactly what that is and happy to do it. Our team is standing by, like we have 20 minute meeting appointments that we're happy to sit down with people and just go through your numbers and show you what's possible. So check out theshredmethod.com for, for more information and we're, we, we are happy to help. We exist to create freedom for people. Well, thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate you and what you're doing. And thank you again for joining us. Jen, thanks for having me and for doing what you do. It's super important. Wow. That was a lot to digest about the shred method, right? I really appreciated Adam's wisdom and also his transparency. Even though he's here to talk about the shred method, he was very honest about who it was for and who it wasn't for. And because it makes it hard when there's different methods out there, like the avalanche, the snowball, and now the shred method. So how do you choose? Remember I told you I was going to share with you a key question you can ask yourself to help choose. So with that, on top of all the information that Adam provided on the shred method, you'll be able to, that will help you choose. The question to ask yourself is what is most important to you when it comes to debt payoff? Is it a quick win? Is it saving most money on interest? Or is it how fast you can pay the debt off? If you want a quick win, I would opt for Snowball. Yeah, because Snowball is focused on paying the smallest amount or the smallest balance first. If you want to save on interest, it's kind I would say it's in between both the avalanche and the shred method because the avalanche is really about focusing on the higher interest and saving you the most on interest. But I would say the shred method, of course, saves on interest, especially if you are paying it off faster. If you want to pay off the debt as quickly as possible and meet the criteria and things that Adam mentioned in today's episode, I would say the shred method. But remember, I am here to provide you with your options and you are here to trust your gut as to what option you should choose. So trust your gut, do your research, understand your own situation, answer the key question that I asked, and you will find whether what method is right for you. Maybe the shred method may or may not be for you. Keep in mind, as Adam mentioned, that you do need to have a discipline for sticking to some of the spending plans and making sure there's money left over at the end of the month. If you're wanting to learn more and really are intrigued by the shred method, you could go to theshredmethod.com. And of course, that link is in the show notes. I'm curious to know, 
What did you find more interesting about the shred method? Let us know in the community over at jenhimpill.com forward slash community. Of course, the link is in the show notes. Prepare yourself for the next episode. We're going to have a conversation with Nashira Linton. She paid off $60,000 in debt and built a net worth of six figures. How? Make sure you follow this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to so you can get the notification of when this episode drops and you won't miss the show. Bueno, pues, that is everything. I really, really appreciate you being here with me. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 336. That is jenhemphill.com forward slash 336. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.